Welcome back to the Book Report with Allie and Rach. And we have a special guest here today. Yes, we do. So today we have with us Emily C. Whitson, the author of Beneath the Marigolds, a local Nashville author. So welcome. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I'm very excited. Do you do you like having the C there or should we? It feels very oh, authorly. Yes. I, you know what? Either one works. I put okay, it well, we're there. just going to call you Emily today. That's perfect. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> the whole time we call her by <laughs> First, last name, and middle initial. <laughs> Sometimes I forget, and I'll forget the middle initial, and when I'm writing it, and then I have to go back and add it in, so it's fine It's the way. worst. When you're buying a house, and you have put that C there at some point in an official capacity, and you have to put that on every single page. Yes, it's fun. Like credit cards, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. So you have not listened to the podcast you recorded for the book yet, so you're going to hear that with the rest of the world. Maybe so we'll excited. send you a a peek of <laughs> how we dissect your book, your work. Oh, I mean, you can keep okay, it. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> For today's podcast, I put together a mocktail, and it has mint tea, calendula ice cubes, calendula honey syrup, and a little bit of passion tea that I put on top, and then I finished each glass with some kombucha, a rose kombucha. We well, have to say why you did the calendula. Did I say that right? Calendula. calendula. Yeah, it's not an easy word to say. <laughs> and I thought it was calendula until calendula. last night. Calendula is marigold tea. So clever. I'm so, so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a lot of our conversation had to do with the own voices movement. I have a ton of questions for you about the writing process and publishing and getting your book out there so I hopefully you're open to talking about that if not totally say the word we don't have to publish it um and then the one thing that we talked about last night that is going to be super crazy for you is every episode we fan cast or we cast the book that we read to be a movie or a tv show so these are characters that you created, you have who they look like in your head, and we're going to put a face to them. And you have to tell us how good we did. Okay, that is, I'm excited. You can lie. No, I will love it. Honestly, they're they're kind of blurs in my head sometimes, so. That's perfect. And you'll think all of ours are great. (laughs) All right, do you want to start? Yeah, so um, we actually know Emily through a mutual friend of ours, and our friend Megan described the book to us as Bachelorette meets Murder Mystery, and that definitely had us hooked. So is that how you would describe your work to friends and family who are curious about what you wrote, or do you have a different description? That is typically the description I use. It was slightly different when I was pitching it to the publisher. I did... The Bachelorette meets Agatha Christie's and then there were none. But I think Murder Mystery is a little more succinct, so I like that better. I might start using that. We had thought about doing, so we're finishing up our fall season in a couple weeks, or our summer season, yes, finishing up our summer season, and we're going to start our fall season after that. And we were, we wanted to do a bunch of like spooky, cozy things for Halloween and then winter. And we had brought up 
Agatha Christie. Is there a, a recommended Agatha Christie book that's your favorite? I mean, and then there were none. Okay. I think it's a classic. Okay. Have you guys read that one? No. I haven't oh, read any Agatha Christie. It's so good. Yes. Have it's you? a locked room mystery. No, I haven't read any either. Ooh, what's a locked room mystery? I'm so glad you asked. So it is a mystery. <laughs> so she didn't invent it, but she popularized it. But it's when all of the suspects are in a locked room. So it could be an island. It could be like a deserted cabin. So it just kind of makes the setting a little bit creepier. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've seen that said before about books. Now yes. that makes way more sense. Would you consider Beneath the Marigolds a locked room? Okay. For sure. Yes. Okay. I mean, I guess they start out in Nashville, but once once the disappearance happens, yes, it's in a locked room, I would okay. say. It's pretty Ooh, hard to get off the island. Yeah, fair. <laughs> and and then There Were None takes place on an island, so that's why I had done that. Okay. Ooh, I love it. Yes. Do you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or The Bachelorette in Paradise or is it Bachelor in Paradise? Bachelor in Paradise. Bachelor in Paradise is the superior <laughs> show in my opinion. We also talk a lot about that in the podcast. Actually, I agree. And if I could go back, I would do Bachelor in Paradise meets Agatha Christie's and then there were none because that makes more sense. I'm glad we could help. But yes, you guys are helping so much. Yes, I love The Bachelor and Bachelorette. I haven't been as caught up this past season just because it's been a little, my schedule's been a little crazy, but... I love it. It's so good. Do you have a favorite Bachelor or Bachelorette? Oh, man. There's so many. I think I liked... Mm, it's funny because sometimes I'll start out liking them, and then by the end, I do not. Oh, like <laughs> most of the time. Yes. I really liked Ben, though. He was one of my favorites. And I liked, I liked Caitlin a lot. I liked JoJo a lot. That's the season... I watched the only season I watched. Which one? JoJo's. Okay. What'd you think? It just, there were so many episodes and we were <laughs> using a bracket. That's how oh. they lured my husband and I to watch okay. it with them. Anything gambling and competitive, we are all ears. <laughs> but it's like three nights a week towards the end. It's a commitment. And then that season, my husband won the bracket <laughs> and he won because he Googled how everyone's salaries and he just picked the guy with the highest salary and that's absolutely who won. That is so or smart. It was something like salaries and looks. He just did some combo of it and he ended up winning the bracket. Are they, they still won. together? JoJo and yes, they mm-hmm. are. Yeah, I think they just got oh, married. Yeah. I'm kind of what? embarrassed I know all this, but yes. They oh, no. I, we also talked last night or on the, the podcast about Bachelor Data, the Instagram. Do you follow this? No. It's an Instagram. It's a data analyst who analyzes all of this Bachelor and Bachelorette data down to screen what? time, first kisses, how long people stay together. It is endlessly fascinating. Oh, I need to look at So this. I have, I, not only do I have all this information in my head, I'm then looking up data analyses after every episode. So okay, I feel it. Here's what I do during the episode. My favorite part is not even watching it. It's looking at the Twitter feed and all the memes that come after it. I think that's like one of my favorite parts. So. It's an American pastime. <laughs> I don't watch. I'm not a watcher, but... Just, you know, you have a lot more free time. Yeah, I do have us. a lot more free time. Mm-hmm. Yes, my brain's, you know, it's clearer. <laughs> <laughs> going to get down off my high horse <laughs> for one moment. Okay, so you, I had read somewhere, and I can't remember where now, because I read a couple other interviews okay. that you did, and you had pitched the book a few times. Mm-hmm. So what is that process like? How do you, how do you publish a book in a, you know, in a 
tell us in a podcast. You've got okay. one minute. Yes. <laughs> so the traditional route is you you would query an agent. If you want to go with a like big four, now I, one of the publishing houses just got bought, so it's one of the bigger ones, big three, big four. You would need to query an agent because the big houses will only accept agent submissions, um, and then that agent would pitch on your behalf. Some publishing houses, so I'm with a smaller one, so they didn't require that. But typically you would query an agent, you would send sort of a, they call it a query letter, it's just a one-page thing, and and that's where you put the meet statement, and then you usually send five pages. Wait, and the meet statement is, this meets this? Yes, yes, And that yes. describes your book? Yes. Okay. Yep. You need to have some comparison titles. Oh, there's Absolutely. going to come a time in the my questions where I ask for some recommendations, <laughs> but... Okay, interesting. Yes. Oh, and then, sorry. Yes. So then you send about five pages. Some agents want three chapters, but it's basically a small portion. And then if they like it, they'll request a full, which is just a full manuscript. And then if they like that, they'll take you on. And then from there, that agent pitches to editors. And then if the editor likes it, they'll make an offer. It's called the acquiring editor. So I... I had met the publisher at a writing group, so my path was a little bit different. So I applied directly to the publishing house, and then the acquiring editor made an offer. But I still had to go through the query process. I just skipped the agent part. Okay. Does yeah, an agent cost <laughs> money, or does it does that cost so anything? They, they take a percentage? Yes, they take a percentage. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's usually worth it because they end up getting you a, a better deal. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. So... You is it Camelot? Is your uh, publishing Camcat? Camcat. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. Camcat. So they take over after you submitted and they accepted. Mm-hmm. How long until your published date? About a year, which is actually short in publishing time. Sometimes it takes. It usually takes one to two years for it to actually publish. Oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So when you're writing, you have to be like, is this going to be relevant in three-ish years? <laughs> I feel like that's especially with like technology and interesting. So you mentioned an editor. Mm-hmm. Are, is it purely grammar spelling or are they telling you like change this cadence, rename this character? What kind of what kind of stuff do they do? Good question. So you don't just have one. You have many, but oh. you have a main one. So okay. you have the acquiring editor. My acquiring editor was Helga. And you go through two maybe three rounds of edits but the first round is is pretty big and that's where they'll do big changes like a character's motivation doesn't make sense or cut this character in my case we added a character to make motivation make sense or like ramp up the tension here can you tell us who you added yes it was and i always forget his name because he was such a last minute detail but bear we talked about bear last night yes so he was a last minute addition interesting (laughs) i know and i get he meant he gets mentioned a lot but so who did was it the whole story of the kids killing bear so that it was all added in later oh okay Mm -hmm. yes i don't want to give it away 
So our pod- podcast is full of spoilers. So okay. if someone has listened to the podcast, you're not going to be giving oh, anything perfect. away. Okay. They should have read it. We say that. <laughs> you should have read it if you're going to listen. So, yes, Helga decided that Honey and Chris needed a bigger motivation for what they did. And so Bear was the addition to sort of like hint at what was to come. And that one actually wasn't. That didn't take that long because it was just adding a story in the beginning and then clarifying at the end. You'll do sort of your bigger changes and then you'll do like a scene by scene change on the second round. So it'll be like this chapter needs to be usually more tense, more whatever, shorter, change this. And then if you need it, you get a third round, which is even more detailed. And then from there, you get copy editors, which are going through like syntax and mm-hmm. um, word changes. Interesting. And then you get, sometimes people have sensitivity readers. So yeah, book we handles. talked about that yes. in an episode. I didn't have one okay. because mine didn't have, I, I avoided controversial topics, mm-hmm. but a lot of authors have that. And then you have a proofreader who is purely for just like spelling. Okay. Yeah. We read a um, fantasy series where the main character had cerebral palsy. And we, in an interview with the author, they talked about sensitivity readers. And I was like, I want to interview someone who does that for us. That's yes. so interesting. I didn't know that was even a thing. Yes. Uh, that's interesting. So Megan had said you had let her read the book prior to yes. it being published. Or, yes. okay, how nerve-wracking is that? Oh, it's terrible. So, yes, I hated that process uh yes that is I mean but it's like an essential part of the process Mm -hmm. so she got what's called an ARC which is an advanced reader copy um and the publisher will give out you know a few thousand copies to advanced readers and a lot of them are critics too and that's where they end up getting the blurbs for the book so if you if your advanced reading doesn't go well it's usually a really bad sign Mm -hmm. Um, and the blurbs for the book are just awesome by author a Mm -hmm. um but yeah but it also helps on goodreads that helps a lot so if there are a lot of if there's not a good rating on goodreads and readers won't read it so she did me a huge favor by reading it in advance Mm -hmm. and giving it a review but that yeah i hated that process oh like i think about even we don't really rate books on the podcast. We only talk about books we like. Yeah. And, but if I, there are a ton of like book talk accounts that do review books and they tag the author and that's never felt good to me. It just feels icky. And Ali and I have Airbnbs and I, in Airbnb, okay. you have to review the person, the guest for you to see their review. And I just made it a point where I hate giving negative reviews. I hate it so much. If they don't leave me a review, I don't leave one for them either. (laughs) And because it's, I imagine being the person reading that and that person is talking about, it just doesn't feel good. So what is the Goodreads process like? Like it's. I mean, do you I'll read honest, your reviews? Or? I, I don't even read them anymore. Because if it's a good one, my mom or dad or like a friend will send it to me. <laughs> and nice. Yeah. So I just, I did at the beginning. And it, I mean, it hurts at the beginning. Even when you have, and it's always the case where it's like 95% good, 5% bad, but you mm-hmm. always remember the 5% bad. So then after that, I was like, for my mental health, I'm just never going to look at the reviews again. So I really don't I mean sometimes it's hard when I have Mm -hmm. to go in and 
I don't know, look something up, but I get like, I feel like I say this a bunch on the podcast, but my favorite book is the last book I read it. I just love, if I don't like a book, I'm not going to finish it and I'm not going to review it on Goodreads. So every single one of my books on Goodreads is a five. Oh, <laughs> it's not has nothing to do with being nice. It's just, that's how I truly feel. Yeah. If I finish a book, I loved it. Oh, um, that's nice. But I didn't used to do that, and now I do that. So if I don't like it, I just don't review it. So when it comes to writing the characters, were the characters' personalities or physical attributes, was it based on anyone in your life, or was this like a completely new person in your head? Uh, no, no one's based on anyone that I know. Um, I didn't, I, I think that's unfair to that person. There might be some attributes that maybe I hold from a few different people but no they're totally new characters and I get that a lot and I'll get because I have a bunch of names in there because obviously there are a lot of like participants in the and so I, oh, yeah. I got a lot of texts being like is this after me <laughs> and it never is it's just a rant usually I chose it because it was alliterative um, yeah but no and then it's not based on me either because Speaking of reviews, if you ever get a negative review and you put yourself into it, it oh, hurts so much worse. I would never have thought about that. <laughs> yes, you learned the hard way. This wasn't, this was in my early stages of writing that I kind of realized that. <laughs> but I know a lot of authors do pull from their own, yes. like, lived experiences. Yes. And not that I don't pull from my lived mm-hmm. experiences, but the characters themselves okay. don't make the choices that I would have made. We both really love a tidy ending I and I feel like most people in our friend group are not like us they like something messy at the end something I didn't expect and that feels unsettling and I don't want to think about the problems and the these characters problems carrying on past me closing that book or me finishing that series I just want it done it's tidy and that always hit me like I wanted a happy ending until I saw what you wrote on Goodreads and that you, there is a tendency to put a bleak ending on things just to surprise the reader almost. Mm-hmm. And you didn't give us what we wanted. I feel like up until the end, what I expected to happen to Reese was going to happen oh, really? if it ended oh. the way I wanted it to. Okay. And when it didn't, I still felt like it ended happily. Oh, good. In a way, or in a way that, (laughs) you know, gave the characters hope moving forward. So, yeah, that was the first thing. We talked a lot about that in the podcast as well, is how the ending that you gave us was a satisfying ending, but it wasn't wasn't happy, or it wasn't what you wanted to happen. Like, Reese would have survived Mm -hmm. if everything happened. How do you choose to kill off a character? What point in time does that come? First of all, I'm glad that you were satisfied. I was that was my hopes. So yes. I'm glad I was happy. At first I wanted her to live too, but then the more I wrote it, the more I thought this just wasn't gonna be realistic. Mm. And and there are already some parts of my novel where I'm like, this is totally crazy and not realistic. So I was trying to keep it as realistic as possible. Yeah. And just as I was writing, I was like, there's no way that she would live through this um, if she's been gone this long. So I just thought that that was the most true ending. And then, I don't know, I thought maybe it might be good for Anne in a way, too. So, I don't know. It was kind of a as-I-was-writing decision. Cool. Do you anticipate writing another novel? I would love to, yes. 
Yes, I am trying to work on one now. It's just, it's been a crazy few years, so, Mm -hmm. but I definitely would love to. When you sit down to write or when you're, I mean, I'm guessing you do it from a computer and you're not Mm -hmm. handwriting a legal pad. (laughs) When you do sit down to write, do you work at home? Do you work in a coffee shop? I get really distracted easily, so I like to work at home, but occasionally, I started doing this this summer and it was great some of my writer friends we would go to a coffee shop and write and that was nice because writing can be a lonely profession so that was I actually I thought I wasn't going to get anything done then I did so I might start doing that more so we are well we've been talking about the book festival coming up the southern festival of books it's yes. in October downtown mm-hmm are there any other Nashville authors you know of that we should have on our radar or Ooh. that we should look into? We've been trying to feature yes. throughout this season women or people of color mm-hmm. or local authors as much as we can. So, yeah, any okay. anything you should Yes. Um, so I had a, actually a conference yesterday, so I saw a lot of writers there. But oh, it's an international conference, so a lot of them are out of town. But uh, J.T. Ellison is local she she's a much bigger name than I am (laughs) but she's she's always super nice we could get some books at the book festival maybe Mm -hmm. so we're getting ready to put together our fall lineup for the books and for the books god I'm such an idiot for (laughs) our for the books we're going to read for the podcast and do you have any recommendations for I feel like Allie and I have been in a spooky cozy murdery mystery okay yes I mean uh, I love a good murder uh I will say that I've been bad about keeping up with what's coming out but I do have you read anything by Jennifer I'm gonna mispronounce her last name Hilly Hillier Mm -mm. she wrote like little secrets I know Megan talked about that one because she recommended it to me that she did good. not recommend it to me, that bitch. You know what, actually, she might not have because it's about a kid that goes missing, so that might hit yeah, close to she was you guys. a little wary of the trigger warning. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so maybe not that one, but she has a different one that just came out that's not about a child going missing. As far as spooky goes, I might not answer this question well because I've been so out of the loop. Have you read, like, Leanne Moriarty? She's my favorite. Yeah, so she wrote um, Big Little Lies, mm-hmm. right? So I just got Apples Don't Fall. Mm-hmm. Is that good? Yes. Okay. So that one has a happy ending, too. Mm. Some people Love didn't it. like it, but I thought it was a good ending. So not only do Rachel and I like a neat ending, we like knowing if it's going to be. <laughs> we like yes. knowing the ending. It's a you happy ending. You could tell me exactly what happens in a book, and I will still want to read it. TV show, movie. <gasps> me, too. I... I read spoilers ahead. I, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> reality Steve. All yes, of reality yes. Steve. But it, it's a controversial thing to it say. Is. It makes a lot of people I mad. Know, I know. <laughs> I one time was watching, we were in a theater watching a movie, and I was so stressed not knowing what was going to happen. I left to go to the bathroom to Google the ending and then came back and finished it. I need, I need to know. So, yeah. Mine, I'll do it. I won't do it usually before, but I'll be like... Because I read really quickly, and so I'll be like halfway done or 75% done, but it's too late. And so I just Googled ending because I'm not going to sleep unless yeah. I know it. That's what I do. So I, I feel like we both speed read too. And because of that, if I don't know the ending, then I miss so many parts because I'm just yes. trying to find out what happened. Oh, so and you read spoilers too. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, We're I love like this. oh great. Two peas in a pod. Okay. <laughs> but also very different. But <laughs> I love spoilers. Well, I don't meet a lot of people who read spoilers, so I'm glad to meet you guys. I feel like it makes our husbands absolutely insane. It's like there's no you guys should not be like this. There's they like continually try to keep things from us so it doesn't spoil it. Like actually, give us what we want. I say this to just make myself feel better, but I actually think it's partly true. But as a writer, it's nice because especially with thriller and mystery, you're trying to put together the puzzle. So it's nice for me to know what's going to happen because then I can look and see how the author created the clues and the red herrings. And usually Mm. that helps me. Yeah. So I try to tell myself it's, you know, for my writing career, but usually it's just I want to know what happened. So I have one more question before we go into... The discussion questions at the end of the book. Oh, okay. We're not going to do all of them unless you want us to, but there were some that we thought we, we wanted your clarification okay. on. But so I saw on your Instagram originally you had called the book The Retreat oh, and that yes. changed. Mm-hmm. What went into that changing? Good question. I just got a text about this like today. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yes. So Sarah Pierce is, you know, Reese's book club author she wrote the sanitarium if you guys read that mm-hmm. so it came out a few years ago but she's another thriller author she's mm, a much bigger deal than I am and so we knew that her book which recently came out it's going to be called the retreat so we didn't want to compete with that and it is currently like number three on the bestseller list so I had someone like take a picture of it at the airport and send it to me and I was like I know I knew it was gonna be big that's why we didn't name it that <laughs> yeah and then my editor too wanted like a more thriller-esque title too which obviously okay. it is because Sarah Pierce is doing well but yeah it was mostly for that reason okay so like we said we we went over some of the questions in the mm-hmm. book discussion at the end of the book my favorite one was about Anne's ex-boyfriend and how mm-hmm. he was never named and why we thought that was, and we had our discussion about it. But I would oh. love to know if you had a reason behind it or okay. if it was, like, up for interpretation. What did you guys say? <laughs> so I said that I feel as though there's power in naming something or someone, and I liked that he didn't have enough power over her to be named. That was my two cents about it, but yeah. He just seemed like such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, no, that was exactly why I, I ah, didn't do it. Good. Yeah, so I, I thought, yeah, if I gave him a name, I don't know, then it would make him more important than I, because he was more a vehicle than really a character. And then honestly, when I was writing him and all the characters, I got so, like, there were so many characters. When I was writing him, <laughs> I was like, I'll fill that in later, because I have to be really careful about not naming any, like, guys I went on dates with or anything like that (laughs) and then as I was thinking I was like you know what I'm just not gonna name him Mm -hmm. and I think that works from a literary angle as well (laughs) so it's multifaceted how do shows like Last Chance or The Bachelor Bachelorette reflect or amplify certain social pressures and we which is funny because the person that we know you from mm-hmm. met her significant other through an app. But we were talking about how this idea that you can meet someone and then in two weeks commit to them for the rest of their lives. Like, number one, why is that? Like, we've both been married for a really long time and marriage is great. 
it still doesn't feel like a decision no anyone should have to make in two weeks. It doesn't feel like a decision you should or could make. Or when in an app, everything just feels so instant. Like I'm not attracted to this person in this photo. Swipe. Like goodbye. Like always. We're saying this as two people who've been married 15 years and have never <laughs> used an app in my life. Yeah, that seems really scary. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I, not married, so I don't know. But I hear that some people do meet their significant other and they make it work. And so I know that there are definitely, there are definitely exceptions. I would probably take my time. But I think when that question being developed. I can't remember who wrote that question. I think it was also targeted at just, I think what the show like that amplifies is the need to have a significant other or somehow you're not complete. Mm -hmm. And so in that regard, I don't always think that those shows are the best just because then when the contestants come on, they're always saying stuff like my life's great, but it's not you know, I don't have, have all I have all of this together, but this is the final thing yes. that I need to yeah. nail down. And which is already like a big pressure in life anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of different social expectations that it amplifies. Allie and I, Allie's been married for 15 years, been married for 14. And when the advents of Tinder came upon us, we're like, you know what? If it doesn't work out with so-and-so... <laughs> I'm good. I'm good being single. But I remember that, I mean, both of us grew up in the South where you went to school, you graduated, and you got married really young. Everyone that I was around did. A lot of girls didn't go to school and got married before then. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. I was thinking about it like you have to make this big decision in a short amount of time. But I see that, like, I can see how why that, why is that important? Yeah. the marriage piece and it is I mean having a companion like I think it just depends on what what happiness is to you and I think there are a lot of different forms of happiness yeah but, but why think... couldn't you walk away with a significant or a partner why why does it how is the marriage proposal part of the yeah, show or exactly. the story yeah so I think that aspect of it I have an issue with just because I don't think that that's and so in my, like, happy ending, I'm using quotation marks with my fingers, but you can't see that on the podcast. <laughs> um, I wanted to give her a quote-unquote happy ending that wasn't the tradition, that wasn't what the show did. That was a very intentional decision. Yeah. And actually, so when my editor, she had a, you know, in the big changes development, one of her suggestions was she wanted her to like end up with a guy and I that was my one thing that I told her I didn't want to do that wasn't the purpose of it like that's what I was trying not to do who did she Um, want her to end up with I can't she didn't even have someone she was just saying a lot of readers are gonna want this okay and I was like I know but I feel like we can make it happy without that so Mm -hmm. all right here comes the fan cast oh I'm so excited so you've already created it we did. Okay. Do you have anyone in mind? Like, did you conjure up mm. an actor or an actress no. for? Okay. Well, great. I'm so excited. There was one. I don't know. We might show you some of the actors because do you watch Euphoria? 
I don't, but my kids do, and I've tried to watch it. And by kids, I mean my high school students, not mm -hmm. my actual kids. They watch it, and I've tried so many times, and I can't get into it. But I kind of know the actors and actresses. Okay, that makes you a better person than me. It is a show <laughs> that is... I just get so sad when I watch it. It's very sad. It's very sad. I continually cast Zendaya for every role. And you know what? She works for every role. She's she, great in every role. She's so she could be anything. <laughs> she could. All right. So for Anne, mm -hmm. I had Alexandra Daddario. I don't know her. Ooh. She was in the White Lotus and most famously in Baywatch. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, I like her. I like that. For Reese, this is the one that I You seem nervous. I do. <laughs> Amanda Siegfried. Oh. I think that's great. I feel like they seem the same age-ish. Yeah. And Reese was Anne's sponsor, but were mm. they say the same age? They were the same age, yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh, I think that's good. For Christina, we went through a couple, but we both landed on Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm. Yeah, I like that. She could be, like, yeah. cold. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> She's got sharp angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the only other one I cast was Lamb. And I cast him as, do you have a picture of him? So you can show at the same time. Lucas Gage. He was in White Lotus. Oh. And maybe it was because yeah. of his name and the distance from when I'd read it. But every time his name conjured up, I'm like, a kid named Lamb has to yeah. look a little surfery. Yeah, like, that's how I imagined him, too. Okay, so I good. think you did a great job. Those are excellent. Our work here is done. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad to know that we... We did well in the casting, so if this ever becomes a movie, just hire us and we'll do the rest of it. But yeah, we are so glad that you came and joined us. Thank, Thank you. you so much. It's been a blast. And yeah, if you have any recommendations for season two, just send them our way anytime. Yes, I will absolutely do that. I will work on it and send it to you. But thank you for having me. This has been so fun and so sweet of you guys. So thank you. The If anyone else has any recommendations, you can write us an email at thebookreportpod at gmail.com. We are on TikTok, still trying our very best at the Book Report Podcast. <laughs> and we're on Instagram at the Book Report Podcast. And we will be sure to post the mocktail recipe, too, on yes. uh, one post of the social media me. platforms. Yeah, yes. we'll definitely share that out. <laughs> and next week's release will be the start of the Akatar uh, series on our podcast. So Court of Thorns and Roses Ooh, yes. is what we are tackling next to finish up the summer season. So looking forward to it. And thank you again.